What is going on, Trash Talkers? We are back with another episode for you. Today, we are going to start off by giving our predictions for who will win each of the NBA season awards after the league announced that they will be opening voting based on the gameplay that we've already seen this season. Uh, Next, we're going to discuss Antonio Brown's tweets, who has now once again retired from the NFL, and figure out whether he is actually just pulling a stunt or if he's done from the NFL for real this time. Uh, Next, we're hearing some rumors out of Houston that Deshaun Watson may not want to uh, stay with Bill O'Brien and the Texans organization. We're going to dive deep into some of those rumors and see what fits uh, would work best for Deshaun Watson and which teams should try to package a deal to go and uh, grab the star quarterback from, from the Texans. And finally, baseball is right around the corner. We are just hours away from baseball starting up for the 2020 season. Opening day is here. We're ready to kick it off. First uh, sports that we've seen outside of the UFC uh, since, what, late March? I, I'm excited. I don't know about you guys. All that and much more coming your way. Right now, Nick, Nick, Nick. I can't believe it. It's finally here. Sports, sports are back. Sports are back, and hey, I'm, I, I'm loving I'm, every every single minute of it. I'm not ready to uh, count my chickens <laughs> before we actually see some play. You know, uh, I feel like sh- my chickens have already hatched. <laughs> <laughs> we've seen some scrimmages, uh, but you know, we never we never know what's going to happen. We never know anything can happen up until the eleventh hour, and. Uh, I'm uh, I'm I'm very skeptical. I'm, I'm holding out. I'm waiting for something wrong to happen. Well, we'll, we'll but, get uh, into we'll get into baseball in a second. Um, but I, I want to talk first about uh, the NBA, and I think a lot of news has been surrounded about the NBA. Obviously, they're coming back. Uh, we expect them to be back uh, next month, I believe. Um, so you know, at this point in time. Uh, the league announced that all season awards, including Sixth Man of the Year, Coach of the Year, MVP, so on and so forth, all are going to be awarded to players based on the gameplay that we've already seen them uh, throughout the the season so far. So it's not going to count. Nothing that they do from now on will count toward the, toward those awards. Um, with that being said, we have quite the mess on our hands to to start unraveling here and uh i I think we have the the predictions for you guys uh we're gonna we're gonna jump right into them and first we're gonna start off with rookie of the year i think this is a no contest and i think both nick and i tend to agree with this one i I have john morant i don't know about you but the grizzlies guard is just a phenom in the making and i i I love every second of his gameplay yeah i don't think there's any uh you know I don't think there's anything that uh, anybody else has done that compares to what John Morant has done, especially for the Grizzlies, how far he's taken them in the the hardest conference in the NBA. Uh, it's amazing what he's done and continues to do, and I, I really don't see any other option out there besides him. For sure, yeah. I mean, you know, I think if Zion was given uh, much more of a season. Obviously, he had the, the knee injury that he had to work through on, uh, you know, opening up his career. And then um, even R.J. Barrett out in New York uh, playing at Madison Square Garden for the Knicks, I think I think he he showed some signs of promise. Um, but I, there's no, like, I think hands down, John Morant wins this award. I don't think anybody else even comes close. No, he came out of the gate strong. He stayed uh, at, at the top of the game 
the entire time and, and didn't drop. So uh, there, there was nobody that compares to him. Uh, even Zion had to uh, work his way up. I know he was coming back from injury, but still, you know, John, John Morant did it from the beginning and, and hasn't stopped. Yeah, for sure. I, I honestly feel like John Morant, uh, he reminds me, not gameplay-wise, but just overall, like, him as a person and as a player, he reminds me of a lot of Luka Doncic. What we saw from him last year, how he's taking the league by storm, people are noticing him right off the bat. I think people are noticing John Morant right off the bat, and they're saying, this guy, if, if the Grizzlies can really put some, some roster pieces together, uh, kind of like what they're doing down in New Orleans, what they're doing in... in uh, uh, Dallas with the Mavericks. I, I think you know Memphis. They they could have a, a solid roster com- coming up if if they can really put some pieces around John Morant. And I think the league is starting to take notice. And you know they, they don't have to watch out for them just yet, but they're definitely in the corner of their eye. They're they're keeping a keeping a little check on them. Yeah, yeah, definitely, for sure. Um, so I, I I think we can move past Rookie of the Year, Coach of the Year, uh, which is. It, it, it's an interesting award um, because I, th- I think there's a lot that can be described to go toward the coach of the year. I mean, you can look at, you know, which team had the biggest turnaround, which team had the most adversity, which is the best team, you know, thing, like things of that nature. Which team surprised you based on talent-wise where they're doing, things like that. So, I, you know, I, I hear a lot of different names get thrown out there. I want to hear who do you have for coach of the year? Yeah, I have Mike Budenholzer. I think that what he's done with the Bucks has been absolutely amazing. You know, the Bucks have gone far the last few years, but I think this year in particular, what he has been able to do with the weapons he has, you know, yeah, you have Giannis Adetokounmpo, but besides that, you have a bunch of uh, middlemen who are just helping along. You know, that you don't have a bunch of stars surrounding Giannis like you do in either, you know, the Clippers or the Lakers. Uh, you know, there, there's you know other teams. Uh, the the Raptors have have a solid study of uh, players that are that are above average. But I think with the Bucks, how far he's able to uh, take the team and develop his players, I think they're all coming along strong. And and Giannis, if you take him through the years, especially this year, I think he's made his biggest improvement. And I think we're we're really seeing that, and I think uh, it's uh, it's really uh, to Mike Budenholzer's credit, and I think it's time that he gets this award. Yeah, um, I, I'm gonna go with Nick Nurse. I, I know you just talked about the Raptors a little bit, but I believe that Nick Nurse needs to get a ton of credit. I mean, you just he lost his best player in Kawhi Leonard, right? After winning a championship last year, he loses Kawhi Leonard, and then his top six players all missed 10 or more games this year and he still has them as uh, one of the top seeds in the east i think that's an incredible job you have to be an amazing coach to be able to get that done there's nothing more that uh i you know a coach can really do than to you know put the right pieces on the court and and you know motivate them to do the job that they can do and put them in a in a place where they they can win and I, he's done that with with whatever hand he's been dealt with and i think that that needs to be he needs to get credit for that you talk about Budenholzer, yeah he's done a good job developing Giannis, but at the same time Giannis is a superstar and to, i wouldn't 
necessarily dismiss the pieces around Giannis. Chris, Chris Middleton is a very good piece that that uh, Milwaukee has. He's often overlooked because of Giannis's talent. And then you also have the big men, uh, you know, Robin and Brooke Lopez, and um, you know they they have a ton of talent over there. And I I, I just think that when when you're looking at coach of the year, Budenholzer. You, you know, if you want to give it to the coach with the best record, that's fine and all. But for Nick Nurse to have come along with everything that he's done and lose Kawhi Leonard and lose all of his top players throughout the season and still host one of the best records in the league, I, I think I think there needs to be an award for that. And I think coach of the year fits perfectly for them. Yeah, I think the one thing that holds me back from uh, naming Nick Nurse coach of the year is I see a lot of similarities between the Raptors this year and what the Boston Celtics have been over the last few years, and you know that they're right there, they're up, you know middle above middle of the pack, they're they're top eight seed every year, um, but you know I haven't seen Brad Stevens get an award for what he's done, and and if he's not getting an award for what he's doing, I don't think that uh, Nick Nurse deserves an award for what he has done without Kawhi Leonard. Well, I I believe that. Brad Stevens absolutely should have gotten one of those awards. I I think he's been robbed one of uh, you know a couple of the last years because it it just shows that people aren't giving Brad Stevens enough credit for the insane turnaround that he has had on this on this roster. I mean, if you think about it, the 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 team that he started with, the team that he inherited, none of those players are on the roster anymore. Uh, besides Marcus Smart. I think that he's the only player still around from all of the turnover that he's gone through. I mean, you're talking about players like Kelly Olynyk, Jay Crowder, Avery Bradley, Isaiah Thomas, Rajon Rondo, you name it. He has seen them all. And, you know, to get to the point where they're hosting a, a record, I, I think Brad Stevens has an argument, but I think they're past that point at, at this point. He... The, the Celtics now have expectations for what their team is. Nick Nurse exceeded possible expectations because of this, the where he was, you know, with losing Kawhi, all the injuries that he had to uh, he had to deal with, all the adversity that that he uh, their team sustained. I think Nick Nurse is in that position where he's exceeded the possible expectations. And at this point, I, I don't see a, a better scenario for coach of the year. Um. I, I want to check on the next uh, award, and that would be Defensive play of, Player of the Year. Who do you have winning Defensive Player? Yeah, for me, uh, Defensive Player of the Year is Anthony Davis. He, he had an outstanding time. I think he was a great counterpart to what LeBron was doing, and that's why the, the Lakers are the number one seed in the West. You know, they, They've been so strong. And Anthony Davis, he, he, he was... Uh, absolutely killing it on the de- defensive side of the ball, and, and it was it was perfect setting up LeBron, uh, and I think that's why they've had so much success. So I think Anthony Davis, um, even though he he's on that roster with LeBron, I th- I think that uh, he has done enough to prove that he is the defensive player of the year. Yeah, I'm gonna go with uh, I, I I agree with AD. I I like that, but I'm gonna go with Giannis. Uh, I think. When you have when you have the best defensive roster in the league, you have to look at the best defensive player on that defensive roster. And I think you know to stand out amongst the crowd of packed individuals, I, there, I don't think you can really talk about anybody else at that point. And I think the way Giannis plays the game, he consistently has to guard the top big man or the top 
uh, player of each team night in and night out. And he's given the responsibility of hanging in there and then also having to perform on the offensive side. So he, he's not given any time off. He, he's actually going above and beyond exactly what LeBron used to do back in the day. Giannis is doing that now. And I think Giannis deserves credit for it. Yeah, I, I I agree with that sentiment, but I also think that Giannis, being as good as he is on that team, I think he's just set up to have more opportunities to be a better defensive player than than most. Uh, Anthony Davis has to you know compete against one of the best of all time in LeBron James, and I think that that works against him. And so being able to see what Anthony Davis has done uh, th- up until March. I think that that he he really did a lot, and I think that's enough to edge out Giannis. Yeah, I mean, nowadays I don't think LeBron's doing too much on the defensive side of the ball. I think most of his uh, energy is spent on the offensive side, um, just based on the gameplay that I've seen and what he, you know, what I've the numbers that he's putting up. You know, he can't do that night in and night out. He's no spring chicken anymore. Uh, Not to call him an old man, but I mean, he he's toward the end of his career and uh at this point you know somebody had to take the reins i think anthony davis is doing a great job and like i said i i would agree with him getting it but like i said Giannis is on the best defensive team and he is the best defender on that team so i i don't know how you can say that you know Giannis doesn't deserve that that credit of defensive player of the year um one of the most important awards that gets handed out every year um and often overlooked is sixth man of the year so that one guy that every team wants to have on the end uh, at the beginning of their bench the one guy they can count on to come off and and provide some scoring while the 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 starters you know take a break rest their legs um you know get rehydrated get recentered um i i think at this point six man of the year is Probably the the second most, um, I, I would say, uh, affirming award. You know, when when you win sixth man of the year, that means you've done something special. And I think at this point, uh, my pick would be Montrez Harrell, the power forward for the Los Angeles Clippers. Uh, what he's been able to do coming off the bench and providing not only a defensive prowess, but able to he's worked on his scoring game since he's gotten the league this is his fifth year out of louisville and the man is just absolutely shredding it on both ends of the court he is providing the uh doc rivers and the and the clippers exactly what they were looking for and you know he i talked about Giannis for defensive player of the year well he they have a very thick bench and for him to be able to rise above and show that he's at an elite level on that on that bench you're talking about former six man of the year lou williams who who's also on there and you know other players like that i, I think you need at that point montrez harrell definitely deserves six man of the year yeah, I, I think uh, you're on the right track, but I'm going to go with his teammate, Lou Williams. I think Lou Williams has shown each and every year that he is the best sixth man in the NBA. I mean, he's been named sixth man of the year three times in his career already, and I, he continues to perform or, uh, outperform himself uh, each year. And I think this year he, he has uh, really helped the Clippers along in the toughest battle the Clippers have faced in a while with the Lakers, you know, that, that has been the, the huge talk in the NBA this year is the battle of L.A. And, and what he's been able to do in, in each of their uh, their battles together, 
I, I think he, he's really been able to help him. And even outside of playing the Lakers, he, he's been a huge um, piece to the, the to the puzzle that they have with it, especially when they lost Paul George. He, he was there. You know, when, when Kawhi has missed some games, he's been there. You know, he's, he's very consistent, very reliable. And he's, you can always count on him. And I think that he is, uh, again, deserving of this award. Yeah. I mean, Lou Williams is a, is a, uh, is a great pick. Um, obviously, he, he knows what he's doing. He's won it three times, as, as you uh, so eloquently mentioned. I, I think, at, you know, at this point, though, Montrez Harrell, what he does on both ends of the court, you're talking about Lou Williams' scoring ability and his ability to, to, to help press the ball on the offensive side that's great but Harold does it on both ends of the court and I think that when you're looking at six man of the year you need somebody who can basically be an extension of your starting cast and when I look at some of those those uh you know six men I'm looking at Lou Williams Montrez Harold Marcus Smart uh th- those guys that you can really rely on to, to to score and play defense and and you know just be a bridge for for when you need uh, you know, for when you need your starters to come off the floor. Um, but I, again, this is a situation where either Lou Williams or um, Montrez Harrell could make a make a case and and win it over the other. Absolutely. Um, I mean, the the Clippers have uh, definitely relied on their on their bench this season to to, to help them along, uh, and it, it's really shown through with these two guys. And I I agree with you. Either of them are deserving of this award. For sure, I, you know my argument with for the Clippers winning it all was the fact that their bench depth is is so much further than where the Lakers are or um, even where the Bucks are at this point in time. I, I truly believe that the Clippers have the superior bench, and you know they have the the defensive prowess, they have the scoring, they they can do it all, and and. I mean, we're seeing that with with this debate right here, Montrezl Harrell and Lou Williams. I mean, you're splitting, you know, you're just splitting hairs with the two of them at this point. So honestly, I think it's a toss up between the two. Um, this one's an interesting one because we didn't really get to see a whole lot of gameplay, uh, so it's going to be tough. But most improved player award, who do you have? Yeah, so I have Luka Doncic, and like you said, this this is a hard one to judge because we only got a little over half a season. So uh, I, I'm going to go with Luka Doncic because of how dominant he has been this, this season. And, and he just be, continues to get more dominant season after season. And this year especially, he, he has really improved. And, and it's not even to the, the help of, you know, Kristaps Porzingis, who uh, who came along towards the end, you know, he was really carrying this team along in the beginning of the season, and he he really uh, has shown that he is a leader. He is the the guy you're going to build around for the the rest of his career. You know, he he is going to take this team far, and he is already sh- uh, showing dividends. Uh, you know, showing dividends for the the Mavericks uh, as to why he he was the right choice in in the draft and. Uh, I, I think his his improvement, his continuous improvement, is worthy of this. Um, yeah, I, I'm gonna Luca. I mean, I don't know how much more he showed improvement. I, I think he's just. I think he's on a trajectory, and I think what we expected him to to hit the levels that he was hitting, and um, at this point, you know, he he's on a 
superstar trajectory that, you know, is going to lead him to different heights. I'm looking more at a player who didn't fulfill expectations and, you know, has finally shown the promise that they were given. And uh, I think at this point, I'm going to have to go with Brandon Ingram for the New Orleans Pelicans. I think Brandon Ingram, uh, who was part of the Anthony Davis trade to the Lakers, uh, or from the Lakers, I should say, um, you know, Brandon Ingram has shown that he can be a number one option. I mean, he was, I believe he was the number two pick uh, coming out of the draft, and he was just an incredible talent in college. And then coming into the league, he kind of, he kind of fell off with the Lakers a little bit, starting to find his footing, and then uh, and then LeBron got there, and he just didn't fit what LeBron was trying to do in L.A., and now he's been given a, a second breath, if you will, uh, in New Orleans, and he's shining with some of his former teammates, might, might you add, you know, talking about Josh Hart and Lonzo Ball, uh, but then you added Zion Williamson, and the, the man is just Brandon Ingram is just a scoring machine. He's going to have to bulk up a little bit to, to take some of the wear and tear of the NBA season. And, you know, as he gets older, people are going to start to notice him and, uh, th- you know, they're going to start physically challenging him. So I'd like to see him bulk up a little bit more, but he's got the three point range. He can, he can score at any point in inside the paint. Uh, his drive game, his, his transition game is incredible. Uh, he's honestly just one of those players that, you know, I think he just got a slow start, and I think this is he's shown the improvement that he needs to win this award this year. And you know, he's putting he's putting people on notice, just like Jaws with the with the Grizzlies. Uh, um, uh, sorry, Brandon Ingram is with the Pelicans. Yeah, I mean, I I, I like Brandon Ingram, but I also think that uh, a lot of his success has come from the help of his counterparts Lonzo Ball and Zion Williamson I think that he he really uh he it was really when Zion Williams started to make his presence uh on the team that Brendan Ingram uh, started to branch out and, and grow um from what he was and so I I think you know what he did maybe have came a little too late in the season you know we are dealing with a shortened season I think it just wasn't long enough to to show that he he's worthy of uh most improved player i think going with somebody that may have been at a higher level but has just blown up into this complete superstar like luca i think that that in its own i think you just need to figure out where they started and where they're at now and, and that'll really tell you who is most improved and to me that still is luka Doncic. Uh, I mean, there's there's a lot to be said, I, and there there's other uh, players that you can name as well, like Jason Tatum of the Celtics, and um, you know, there's there's a lot of different players out there that that might be in the running for this award, but overall, you know, I'd like I think one of these two players might be uh, what I if I had to you know put a wager on it, I'd feel comfortable with either of these two guys in my pocket. Um, and finally, the the big one, the 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 best one, the MVP of the NBA. Nick, who do you have as the twenty twenty ish MVP? <laughs> yeah, I, I I think this is a no brainer, just like the rookie of the year. Um, I I think it's Giannis Antetokounmpo. What he's done with the Bucks, you know, he, he is uh, brought them. You know, they're the number one seed in the East going into 
the the restart of the season. Uh, you know, he what he was able to do, he was just on a tear, putting up uh, monster numbers, just dominating the competition. And when you look at him compared to the next uh, closest competition, LeBron and Kawhi, he just dominates the 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 uh, actual numbers that matter. You know, he his points per per game, his points per uh, thirty six minutes. You know, they they are just astonishing. His his rebounds, his his assists. You know, they they're they're absolutely amazing. And yeah, that that comes to uh, that that really helps when he is the 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 guy in Milwaukee. You know, the team is working around him. It's built around him. And you know that that's the kind of the what LeBron used to have in Cleveland. You know he though he always got fed the rock. He he always was put in the big situations to make big defensive plays, and I think that's that's worked out to Giannis's uh, favor. He, he's really thrived in that spot, and I think he he has had an outstanding season so far. Yeah, um, I agree. I think Giannis. You know, I after some consideration, I I was. I was taking a look at some of these numbers, and uh, you know, I looked at LeBron, I looked at Kawhi. Uh, I had to dismiss Kawhi not because numbers, but because of the amount of games that he's missed so far. On top of it being a shortened season, I just can't imagine giving an MVP to somebody that is missing games, uh, whether it was for rest or for actual injury. And at, at that point, that you know, it, it's just tough to to judge so then it was narrow for me it was narrowed down to LeBron and Giannis and as much as LeBron has done uh, Giannis doesn't have an Anthony Davis on his team and and I would say that you know even though LeBron has the number one seed in the harder conference Giannis has they have the best record in the NBA and they they did play against the Western Conference and they have you know an incredible talent pool around him but you know, like I said, he he's a shining star, and you know he his like you mentioned his numbers are just completely outweigh that of LeBron's in in all the major statistical categories, and just going based on everything that you know you can see from the eye, Giannis is the most dominant player on the most dominant team. I I mean, isn't that what MVP is all about? The most valuable player. He is the MVP of the NBA. uh, What I see a lot from people on like ESPN or Fox Sports is that they overthink it. They over, they overanalyze. They, they dive deep into the numbers and, you know, Max Kellerman is notorious for doing something like this. But at the end of the day, you just have to go with what you know. And at, at the end of the day, the NBA MVP belongs to some nobody else than Giannis. It's just that simple. Just based on your your eye exam, everything that you've seen, it it I mean that tells the story right there. Yeah, I, I agree with that. The numbers are one thing, but it's exactly what you see. You know, when you think of the Bucks, you think of a dominant Giannis Antetokounmpo. When you think of the Lakers, you think of LeBron James and Anthony Davis. You know, they're they're a duo. They're they're together in the same sentence. Giannis is all by himself, and what he's been able to do with the Bucks is absolutely amazing. And he is the most valuable player. Yeah, for sure. Um, I'm I'm excited to see everything that's going to come out. Uh, those are all of the awards that the NBA will be uh, awarding, and um, you know they they're going to start voting. Uh, I believe some news came out about that earlier today uh, that they're they're going to start voting in the next uh, couple weeks. And 
I'll be interested. I know that Adam Silver will be announcing all of the uh, picks, or uh, sorry, TNT will be announcing all of the picks uh, with Adam Silver um, during the playoffs. So at least we will get to see it before the season is over, before everything starts to dissipate for the the time being. And obviously with the delayed schedule that we're dealing with, um, you know, things are kind of just thrown together at this point, hoping for the best. But in all, I, th- I think we're uh, we're at a good good spot for this. So, all right, um, I'm going to move over to the NFL and some interesting news that popped up over the weekend, um, and that was Antonio Brown tweeting out that he was done with football. Uh, he did not use the word retired, but that is the sentiment that everybody has gathered from from his. Uh, series of tweets that he put out there, uh, in a Kanye West-esque fashion. Um, at this point, this is the second time he's retired. Um, and I'm not, I'm not sure whether to believe it or not. So Nick, do you believe that Antonio Brown will be playing football in the NFL ever again? Uh, I mean, I, if he was given the opportunity, absolutely. But that's the question is, does anybody want to give him that opportunity? I think there will be at least one team that will give him a shot. So, yes, I will say he will be back in the NFL at some point. Will it be this year? Probably. I, I believe so. I think it'll be this upcoming season. There's going to be a team, the Seahawks, the Bucks. There's there's going to be one team that needs that extra edge or that loses a big piece that, that – uh, they're gonna need Antonio Brown's services, and he's gonna he's gonna ask he's gonna put a price out there. They're gonna uh, debate it, and and they're gonna eventually agree on a, a a price, and he's gonna he's gonna be back in the NFL. I don't think that Antonio Brown is completely done with the NFL, and I don't think the NFL is completely done with him. Yeah, um, I'll say this: if Antonio Brown doesn't play again this season or this upcoming season, he will never play football in the NFL again. I think I think that's a safe bet to make because at that point, he would have played one game in the last two seasons. And at that point, you know, it, it's very tough to find work after that. So I, I will say that I, I don't believe a team will be reaching out to Antonio Brown. Um, I, I, he... A lot of teams use the the measuring stick of ta- uh, of talent versus you know headache, right? And they saw what happened in Oakland, uh, and you know now Las Vegas. But when it was in Oakland, they saw what happened there, and that was well documented because they had um, hard knocks there. I mean, you know, it wasn't it wasn't just the you know reports from you know the newspapers or whoever. Um, and then you had his time in New England, which obviously didn't end well. And then how he handled the ending in New England was not very uh, professional. So I think with all the questions, there's character questions. We don't really nothing has been solved in Florida, by the way. I mean, that's that's still a huge question mark uh, moving forward with his resume. Um, we don't know where that all stands because everything with COVID has everything on pause. And, you know, it's just I think it's dissipating his career at this point. I think that's why he made the announcement that he did is because he knows that it, with this up in the air, I don't think he's going to be able to get another shot in the NFL. And like I said 
at, at the beginning, if he doesn't get a shot this year, he will never get another shot again. I mean, I still follow Antonio Brown's socials, and I see him working out every single day, whether it's in the weight room or if it's on the field. He's always doing something to help him stay in tip-top shape, and I bet he's in better shape than most of the wide receivers are right now in the NFL. And I, I think I think he's going to continue to stay that way, no matter if he's on a team or not. You know, he he's been out of football for almost a year now, and he's he's continued to put in that work no matter what. And I think that's just an inner drive that's never going to go away for him. And I don't think he's ever going to call it quits, even if it's past this year. I think he'll stay in in the one of the best shapes any wide receiver can stay in. And I think he'll he'll always be ready to go at the the you know at a, any call that that comes his way. Yeah, I I just doubt that the call is gonna go his way if if it comes down to him not being able to play this year, uh, because I when somebody is out of the game of football for a year, you know look at what happened with Le'Veon right. Le'Veon took a year off because of his contract dispute with the Steelers, signed with the Jets, and he had injury issues. And, he and you know, people were – it, it was nervous for him to take a hit. You know, they, they were struggling with that. You take somebody like Antonio Brown, and if he's out of football for two years, I mean, it's just amplified at that point. I, I, don't, I don't foresee him getting another job if he doesn't work this year and like I said with everything else in the air I don't see him getting a job this year yeah I mean if we go back to Le'Veon Bell and what he was doing I mean we saw him on jet skis we saw him vacationing in Cancun and all but he was still places. working he was still working he out. was still he was not working out as hard as Antonio Brown does and Antonio Brown doesn't ha- take a day off he doesn't quit now, I, I think if it wasn't for what happened off the field he would have worked out perfect in Bill Belichick's system uh, it just didn't happen that way, and I think everything is starting to settle down around him, all that, that noise, and I think eventually there's one team that's going to need his services, and he'll be ready to go whenever they call. Yeah, I mean, I mean, he's not the only like top free agent wide receiver, though. You still have Josh Gordon, who's still available, and you have uh, other We're play- talking about Antonio Brown here. He's the top three wide receiver of all time. Uh, whoa, whoa. I, that's definitely a debate for next week because there is no shot that he is a top three receiver of all time. We we will get into that another time. Chalk that up for let's, damn let's sure. Let's do it. Let's do it. Um, I just I I don't I don't foresee him playing again this year. I just don't. It's uh, I don't know. All right. All right. Um. I. If if I mean you see him returning, right? So at that point, what teams you said a couple, but what teams do you think like make a fit for him? Yeah, I'm gonna go back to the Seattle Seahawks. Russell Wilson wanted him last season uh, before the Patriots snagged him up. Uh, I know he met with the Saints last year, but that was a publicity stunt, and I'm sure that Sean Payton's never gonna allow him back there. Um, I know Tampa Bay. Arian Foster said that uh, Arian. Uh, uh, Arian, uh, Bruce Arians. Bruce Arians, thank you. Messing up his name. Bruce Arians said that he's never gonna uh, allow AB on the team after you know what he dealt with in uh, Pittsburgh. But I think that uh, if Tom Brady wants him enough, that and they're that that close from uh, you know, winning a championship, I think they're gonna they're gonna call for his services. 
I think Houston is another team. You know, they they let um, DeAndre Hopkins go to Arizona on that terrible deal, and it seems like Bill O'Brien has been trying to make up for that ever since. He made the trade for Brandon Bro- uh, Brandon Cooks. He he's been um, you know he he drafted a few weapons. I think that uh, he, he'll do what it takes to uh, resurrect the or you know just fix the issue that he had. Uh, after after that deal went down with the with the Cardinals, I think he wants everybody to kind of forget about that. And what better way to do it than sign one of the best wide receivers of all time? Yeah, let's dive deep into into that uh, that sentiment for a little bit. We talked we talked when it happened, right? About uh, DeAndre Hopkins, that D-hop, the D Hop trade from Houston to Arizona. A, it caught everybody by surprise, but B, and most importantly. They got nothing for him, right? Um, Obviously, there's been some discontent around that deal, including from their Pro Bowl quarterback, Deshaun Watson, uh, who's an up-and-coming stud quarterback, by the way. Um, At this point, there's some rumors that, you know, Deshaun Watson doesn't want to be in Houston anymore. He believes that Bill O'Brien has proved incompetent as a GM, which I think we can all agree with. Um, and that, you know, essentially he just he, he doesn't want to be with the Texans organization. He wants to move on. Obviously, he's still under his rookie deal. Um, he has to play out uh, at least one more year, if not two. Um, it, do you th- so I guess the question is, and I I've seen this posted a couple areas, but do you think a he leaves, but b if he leaves, where do you think he should go? Uh, I don't think he leaves. I think that he's going to stay put. Uh, I don't think that there's any other place. I think he's in the perfect spot for himself. I think he's had a lot of success. I think he's really embedded himself in that community. Uh, and I don't think there's it's going to be really hard for him himself to, to get out of there um, without a lot of turmoil. You know, he, he's the team is being restructured around him to fit him. And I, I know DeAndre Hopkins fit that mold, but obviously there was a lot of disconnect between DeAndre Hopkins and Br- Bill O'Brien. And that's why they had to to move him. But now that that's out of the way, they can now refocus their attention back on. Uh, Deshaun Watson that in that trade they got David Johnson everybody wants to count out David Johnson but it was only three years ago that David Johnson was the greatest wide uh, greatest running back in the league putting up Christian McCaffrey numbers and I think that he can do that again he's had some injuries he's had some setbacks but I think that it, he's, he's now in a new system he's now on a new team he it's time for new beginnings and I think this is a, a perfect place where David Johnson can really thrive with a quarterback like Deshaun uh, Deshaun Watson who's able to handle so much of pressure. We saw that last year where he was putting the team on his back week after week. And now that David Johnson's there, that's going to help him a ton. Brandon Cooks is there. That's going to help him a ton. Uh, Will Fuller has another year in that system. I think that's going to help him out. So I, I think everything is primed to help D- Deshaun Watson. And like you said, he still has a couple of years left in the system. And so I think give the give bill o'brien that those couple of years to to add some more weapons and develop this team and they've been making the playoffs the last few years i think they're they're so close to to getting there i think they just need a little bit more time to develop this roster and, and uh mold it into what they need to so i i, I think Deion, i think deshaun watson's gonna be perfectly fine moving forward i think you know that there he was upset with a few things but i think bill o'brien has 
done a pretty good job of working his way back into his into Watson's good graces. Yeah, I don't. I every part of my being wants to say that he's gonna leave. Wants to. In my heart of hearts, I think he's gonna stay. I don't think anybody can make a package for him to trade to get him via trade, right? Um, and I don't believe that anybody is going to like. I don't think he's going to take the uh, the free agent visit uh, tour, if you will, that big free agents take throughout major sports. You know, I don't think he's gonna get that treatment. And I, so I think he ends up staying in Houston. With that being said, there are some very interesting rosters that could utilize his talents. And I think of one that just built a brand new stadium that would be incredible to have him. And that'd be the Silver and Black. The Las Vegas Raiders and Deshaun Watson with John Gruden at the helm. And, you know, the plethora of freaking wide receivers that they plucked from this draft the speed that they have on that roster paired with josh jacobs in the backfield it would be absolutely incredible you have darren waller at tight end who's just an absolute stud who goes up and gets the ball every single time um they're building a team out there in in the desert and i i think at this point that'd be an incredible stop the uh, there uh, there's a couple others that I could truly see him thriving in. And one was Chicago. I could see him, uh, if he was a bear, I, I could see them starting to focus a lot of their their uh, focus on getting him better weapons. Uh, right now, they have you know Nick Foles. They have Mitchell Trubisky. That, there's a saying in the NFL, if you have two quarterbacks, you have no quarterbacks. I don't think the Bears have any quarterbacks at this point. So, I mean, besides the 85 tight ends that they have on the roster, there's nothing else that they have that really scares me on on the uh, on on the offensive side of the ball. If they got Deshaun Watson, things change in a, in an instant. Um, so, I, I'd like Chicago as a as an option, um, and then th- there are a few others, but. Um, a lot of people have thrown out the possibility, um, and I'm not just saying this, but uh, New England as a possibility. If if the Cam Newton uh, experiment works, New England could could always be a possibility. Again, in, I don't believe this is going to happen, but could you imagine Deshaun Watson and Bill Belichick and Josh McDaniels building out that roster and everything that, that they've done to put weapons in in the offense young weapons that'd be an incredible feat and if and if the cam newton experiment works and and he moves on and signs a big free agent deal i mean you know bill o'brien he he may not trade him but sean watson may want to play for another bill and that's for damn sure I mean, I highly doubt that Bill O'Brien is going to deal with Bill Belichick in well, a trade. I don't think he's going to trade him no matter what and definitely wouldn't trade him to New England, but I'm just saying if he were to move on as a free agent, these are some of the teams that I could foresee being suitors for him. Yeah, uh, the Patriots are, are a huge uh, maybe. I, I highly doubt that that would happen, but could you, could you imagine? Because the way Cam Newton's contract is structured – even though he's only on the team for one year, they can franchise tag him at the uh, before next season. And so, wouldn't it be crazy if the Patriots franchise tagged Cam Newton after an amazing season, and then decide to trade him for Deshaun Watson on top of a first round pick or something to that magnitude? 
that, that would be pretty crazy because now Cam Newton still, you know, 31, 32 at that point. You'd be paying uh, the same price for Deshaun Watson. Yeah, I mean, and, and the Patriots are about to open up a lot of cap space. They're losing a lot of their players, so it's kind of perfect timing. But, again, it's not going to happen. That, that's just a dream. But uh, it, it's nice to think of the, the what-if scenarios. <laughs> yeah. Um, well, I mean, there's always a, a bunch of what-ifs, but uh, one that has recently caught my eye is the f- the fact that, you know, people are debating whether Deshaun Watson is as good as Patrick Mahomes. And uh, if Watson was in Mahomes' shoes in Kansas City with Andy Reid and Tyree Kill and Travis Kelsey and so on and so forth, uh, you know, would he have the same amount of success? So I pose the question to you. Do you believe that they would have the same success if Deshaun Watson were in the shoes of Patrick Mahomes? Well, I mean, if Deshaun were, were in Patrick Mahomes' shoes in Kansas City with those weapons, yeah, I think he'd have very similar success. If not, I think he might even do a little bit better. But if you put Patrick Mahomes in the Houston Texans, uh, on the Houston Texans, in Deshaun Watson's shoes, I don't think Patrick Mahomes' career is lasting much longer. What Deshaun Watson has had to deal with the last few years with no offensive line running for his life has been absolutely uh, uh, incredible in the worst way to see. And to imagine, we saw what happened with Patrick Mahomes last year. He had a weak offensive line, was almost out the entire year with a dislocated knee. I mean, he got his ankle stepped on left and right, and it was 10 times worse in Houston. So to imagine... Uh, Patrick Mahomes in that situation, I think he would have suffered a lot more injuries. I think he, he's just not as durable as Deshaun Watson is. I, I think it would have been a, a horrible place for him to be, and I, I, I think it would have had a horrible impact on his career. So what, what about the, the specific, uh, specific scenario of Watson being in Kansas City with Andy Reid and those boys? Yeah, I mean, I would expect the same output. I think that Deshaun Watson would have returned them a Super Bowl this past season they may have even have done it the previous year not to say that Patrick Holmes was the reason the the Patriots moved on to Super Bowl 53 it, it was Chris Jones but or, or D Ford sorry but you know I I think that Deshaun Watson would, would have been able to do a little bit more in that game or even in that season to get them past the Patriots so I think he possibly could have returned two championships already yeah I, I mean I'm I don't know if uh, they're different players, right? They have different skill sets, obviously, but they they can do a lot of the same things. They have different, um, you know, throwing patterns where they can sidearm the ball 50 yards down the field. Um, Patrick Mahomes does it with such flair and tenacity because he's in an offensive system that with one of the greatest offensive minds in NFL history in Andy Reid, you have one of the best offensive coordinators in the NFL in Eric Bieniemy. You have incredible talent around you in Tyree Kill, Travis Kelsey, name your running back because he's had a bunch of them that have worked out really well, um, and a decent offensive line. Uh, but he he's had plenty of talent, and then they added last year Mecole Hardman and Sammy Watkins. They've had. I mean, the the when you take the talent levels that Kansas City has, and then the coaching on top of it. I mean, the coaching level. You're talking about Bill O'Brien, who's somewhere around here, and Andy Reid, who's somewhere around here. 
right? They're completely different, and Andy Reid is a player's coach. He he fits his offensive schemes to fit the the strengths of that quarterback. We saw it with uh, Donovan McNabb in Philadelphia. We see it again with Patrick Mahomes in Kansas City. Andy Reid is a special breed. He's a special coach. I think that if Deshaun Watson was there, they'd have the same exact success that they've had. I don't think it'd be any different, honestly. I think it would... It would it would have ended up, you know, they would have competed for a championship two years ago. They would have won the championship last year, and it all would have been the same. Um, I it I don't I don't believe that, you know, again that Deshaun Watson will be moving moving on from, uh, uh, sorry, Houston, Houston. But at the end of the day, uh. You know, it it's nice to dream, and you know I, I want to hear from you guys in the comments. Let us know what you think about you know would Deshaun do well in Kansas City? Do you think Andy Reid has a lot more to do with the success of Patrick Mahomes than we're giving him credit for? Uh, let us know everything that you think. Um, so I'm I'm gonna I'm gonna leave that topic there. Okay. We're going to move forward, and the, the final topic for this week's podcast is none other than what we started talking about uh, about an hour ago, and that was baseball is back. Opening day is right around the corner. At the end of this week, we will have baseball for the first time in 2020. Um, here's the problem that I'm finding. Nobody's talking about it go on ESPN, you go on Fox Sports, you go on, I mean, besides local radio, if you're in a baseball network in a baseball area, they're talking about it, but, I mean, none of the major networks are talking about it. So that, my question is, is there a problem with baseball? Or is it just being overshadowed by, like, the the NBA awards and and the the NBA and and everything else that's kind of happening, UFC even? Um, your thoughts? Yeah, yeah, it's definitely possible, but I think it's just the same problem we've had with the MLB over the last few years. The game of baseball is just so slow. It needs to be sped up. It needs to be brought into the 21st century. It is so far beyond, behind the times that no one cares about it anymore. It, it's very sluggish. No one can pay attention for three hours and, you know, I, I just – I can re- recollect all the times that I've watched these broadcasts where they're they're talking about, you know, suit jackets and pocket squares. And they're just – they have to fill so much time that they're, they're just going off on tangents on, on stuff that's other than baseball. Baseball takes so long to progress through each game that you just lose interest. And I think that even talking about it can be sluggish at times because – that there isn't much controversy in the sport. It doesn't move at a, at a quick pace. Everything takes time uh, to develop. So I, I think, yeah, there, there is an issue. It's an ongoing issue, but it's nothing new. Yeah, I, I don't think it's new at all. I, I think it's a mix of both. I think baseball, um, the, there is a problem with baseball as a sport, and as Major League Baseball specifically. Um and I think that it, it is being overshadowed by the NBA. I think that more people are interested in hearing about the NBA coming back, even though baseball starts in three days. I think that more people are interested in who's going to 
you know, contend for these NBA awards, then who's going to be playing, uh, you know, or who's starting their rotation and, you know, things of that nature. I think baseball is in a very difficult predicament because they haven't updated their game in, I don't know, what, a hundred years? I mean, it's the oldest game. It, it's referred to as America's pastime and, I think that's what it is. It's it's past its time. It's past its prime. I, that there's nothing that gets people excited anymore. As a as a general rule, right? As a general thought. I mean, you have people who are very divested into the sport of baseball, and I have plenty of friends who are that way. And you know, they live and breathe for the sport of baseball. But you know, at the end of the day, that's not the general person. That's not you know your average sports viewer. And for, even for us who are, are pretty well versed in sports, you know, I'm happy, but I, I, I'd much rather watch football. I'd much rather watch basketball. I'd even watch, I'd much rather watch uh, playoff hockey over the baseball season coming up. And, you know, I'm not a big hockey fan, but I, I truly enjoy the sport a lot more than I do baseball at, at this juncture. Um, I I don't really I don't really know where else the the sport can go or what it can do, but you know I don't get paid the millions of dollars to fi- to figure it out either. So hey, there there's hundreds of thousands, if not millions, of baseball fans around the world that have put out such great ideas on how to improve the sport, but it's the people at the very top of the MLB who just don't want to listen and don't care to change the game because the numbers. The, the numbers they're pulling in, the viewership, and the revenue continue to go up. And until that either staggers or, or goes down, then, then they're not going to listen at all. It, it, you need them, you need their pockets to start hurting <coughs> in order for them to change and, and make the changes that we want to see. That's the only way it's going to happen. Yeah, I mean, when you talk about commissioners, we went from Bud Selig to Rob Manfred, and all they've done is either one of them they 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 kept moving forward that like they didn't they didn't progress the sport they didn't do anything they kept the status quo all they did was just keep everything the way it was and you know you're obviously going to have um you know your your anchor franchises like the the Los Angeles Dodgers the New York Yankees and you know the 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 frivolous uh, fan bases like the Boston Red Sox and the Mets and, um, you know, the, the Chicago Cubs, right? But then what is a team like the Milwaukee Brewers or the, uh, you know, Kansas City Royals? Like, what, those teams are suffering the most. And, the, like, people, when you talk, like, let's just take the Royals, right? If you're in Kansas City, what are you thinking about right about now when it comes to sports? Think about the damn Chiefs. And it's not even closer to football season. You have so many other things going on. But the Royals are the last thing that are on your mind at this point. And I think that baseball has a lot of work to do if they want to become relevant again, especially with the youth, because there's it's such an older generational sport that people that their average audience continues to grow in age. And that's not good. NBA, the NBA's average audience has gotten younger. The NFL's average audience has gotten younger. They're retaining the information because it's a faster-paced, not only society, but just for the sport in general. People are they they uh, 
they take in content much faster and, and much more uh there's so much more going on and like you know with an nba game right like i i know that there's going to be timeouts and things like that with baseball you throw a pitch it's a ball and you wait another minute and then there's another pitch and there's a strike and like each at bat is six ish minutes i mean roughly and you're it's just it's a struggle it's a struggle for the average fan to watch and um i I really do hope that they do something to speed it up because there's there's so many good things about the sport of baseball i love going to a baseball game i love playing the sport of baseball but i don't love watching it on tv i just i don't um obviously we got off on a little tangent there but uh, Nick, I want to know what you think. How do you think the uh, since the baseball baseball is the first one coming back after everything that's gone on this year? What what are your expectations for how the season will go? I mean, I expect it to go just like any other season. I don't expect an increase or uh, an extreme increase in viewership. I expect a little bit because it's the first sport back. It beats NBA by a little bit. Uh, so I expect uh, a little bit more people to tune in, especially I think it's the 23rd and the 24th, which are the opening days of baseball. So I expect a lot of people to tune into those, and then everybody's going to get be like, oh, yeah, that's baseball. You know, that that's why I don't watch. Um, <laughs> you're going to be watching from 7 p.m. to 11 p.m. or 12 p.m., you know. Maybe we'll get a 19-inning game that goes till 5 a.m. You know, it, it, there's just, with the sport of baseball, there's there's no end in sight, possibly. And uh, uh, y- there's no time limit. I think that's the, the big factor is that there's no, there's no time limit. Yeah. Uh, so I, I, I think that it's just going to be like any normal uh, baseball season. You're going you're gonna, to, after the first couple of days, it's going to be, you're, you're going to have your loyal fan base, and then you're going to have your average viewers, uh, you know, coming in every every few, so often just to check the score i don't you know that, that it's gonna be just you know back to normal it's do you think more. they're they're gonna get through all 60 games do you think that you know uh there's gonna be oh, a like spike? another stoppage yeah do you think there'll be a stoppage or or something that's gonna hinder them from getting through the season that they have planned uh i i would be very surprised if i would only expect them to stop the season same goes for the for base uh, basketball I would only expect a stoppage if there was a spike in cases or if someone got an entire team infected. I would think that's the only way that the, the season gets put on hold again. Uh, but otherwise, if the if everybody stays healthy, no matter what's going on in the outside world, if they can maintain themselves and, and stay um, COVID-free, I think that they the, the season will go on and they'll be able to complete the 60-game the season they have set in front of them. For sure. I'm I'm right there with you. I I think um, the way things are going, they should be able to uh, finish out or play the full sixty game schedule. Um, but it it only takes one bonehead to screw everything up. We we understand that. We we know everything about that. And um, for their sake, I hope it doesn't because baseball, like we've just you know went on about, they they can't afford to fall back any further than they already are in the eyes of sports fans. So at, at this point, they, they really need to, you know, try to get as much uh, TV time as, as possible while everything else is still working its way back. Um, you know, I, I, I think one, I just want to go over this one more, just one more point. 
Um, <clears throat> I think baseball struggles with not marketing their top players the the correct way. Um, I mean, f- they had Derek Jeter for the longest time, uh, you know, and you knew who the top players were when we were growing up. But right now, if you ever if you asked an average fan, you know, who is the best player in Major League Baseball, they probably couldn't tell you. Uh, they don't market players like Mike Trout or Mookie Betts. They, you know, they they focus on s- small. You know, they don't they don't they don't market anything really well. And I think, um, you know, I that's tough. And I heard that uh, Mike Trout is considering not playing. Uh, I think that will also hurt them moving forward as well. If if their stars start to pull out, um, Mark, Mike Trout being the first and. You know, David Price decided he's not going to play for the for the Dodgers, and you know, th- there's a lot of things to go on. But um, I, again, that I just wanted to make that one last point. Um, I'm going to ask you a question before we we end this episode. Uh, did you watch any of the baseball that uh, that we've seen so far? So any of the scrimmages? I I, I didn't watch any whole <coughs> games. I tuned into a few innings of. Uh, the Yankees and Mets, and then um, I, I believe it was the uh, uh, Pittsburgh. Uh, I, I can't remember who Pittsburgh is playing, um, but yeah, I watched a little bit. Uh, the the one thing I hated most, and uh, the one thing I hated most was the piped in crowd noise. That kind of ruined it for me. When you, uh, I saw the the Mets had um, their their fans or the their season ticket holders, they had like a cutout of them in their seats. I thought that was pretty cool, but I don't need the piped in crowd noise, especially with baseball, because it's order it's pretty much just white noise. It's not like soccer where they're chanting, they're they're cheering constantly. Right. It's always this like white noise of people just talking while the game's going on. And there, you know, there there might be a spike, like a little cheer, when there's a big hit or a big play, but that's about it. Otherwise, I don't want to hear it. <laughs> I, I watched they, they they had another Yankee Met game where it was uh, there was no piped in crowd noise, and I liked that so much better. I was able to hear each pitch, I was able to hear the crack of the bat, I was able to hear everything, and I, I liked that so much better. So I, I get yeah, I mean you jumped the gun, but that was my question. You like the okay. the crowd noise, the lack of crowd noise, much absolutely. better. Absolutely, yeah, one hundred percent. I, it's gonna be even harder for me. I'll I'll just mute the game while I watch it if they pipe in crowd noise because it was just it was very bothersome. It was it was a nuisance to listen to. Gotcha. I mean, I I I'm the same way. I mean. I think we both agreed on the sentiment when we saw the first uh, UFC pay per view when they had no crowd and uh, they were they had you could literally hear the the ringside announcers or the fighters could hear the ringside announcers. Uh, I I think that it provides a little more uh, reality to the game. Uh, you feel you feel more entrenched, like you're right there, like you're watching it at your at a local field, even though it's exactly. major, the major leagues uh, that are playing. Uh, you just feel like you're closer to the action. Uh, you can hear the crack of the bat. You can hear them smacking their gloves. You can, you know, you you feel like you're you're more in that in that zone. I I, I like that a lot more. So I I agree with what you you had to say there. <clears throat> um. All right. Well, I think you know 
I've done my fair share of talking for today. So I think we're going to wrap up this week's episode. Uh, thank you all for watching. We truly do appreciate it. Please, if you like the uh, content, please make sure to like, comment, subscribe. We truly love all the, uh, the growth that this channel is starting to see. Uh, we put a lot of work into it. We, we want to do it for you guys. Make sure that you're commenting what you want us to talk about. Uh, make sure you let us know if, if you think we should change something up. Um, we love to hear from you guys. We try to respond on social media for anybody who, who reaches out to us. Um, make, if you want to DM us, if, if you want to tweet at us, we're, we're open to all of that. Um, but we, we truly do appreciate everybody that, that's helping this channel grow. And uh, we, we hope that uh, you guys continue to support us as we move forward and try to, try to you know, make this into something special. So have a great week. We'll catch you next time. Uh, this has been Trash Talk. <laughs>